TJ McFarland lives again. Uh, the most lopsided Brian Reynolds trade. And we're going to dive into first and third base prospects going deep on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Jeff Ellis, uh, one of your two co-hosts of Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Um, before I, man, I just noticed I'm like locked on, on locked on here. Uh, before I became a locked on chill, uh, no, I love it here. It's not chilling. It's it's a fun job. I'm happy to have it. I, I wrote a lot of different places, mostly about the draft and prospects in general. I am Justin. Lennon. I don't have any cool. Actually, I lied. I do have cool lockdown swag. I got a fanny you pack the, you, for Christmas. Oh, okay. Like a little. It's a little belt bag. I don't know what you want to call it. No. I think it's like a little one of those little ones that you. Oh, see, I don't know. I view I view that as like my toiletry bag. Oh, I gave it to my fiance to use, and I said, "Well, look, you can uh, you can use this and take it to. She's a teacher too, and she can take it to school and show off her." fiance being on a podcast that nobody here school has ever heard of because she teaches elementary school. So um, yeah, they haven't heard of me there, but uh, maybe you've heard of me from other random places, uh, the news Herald and the morning journal. And then I was the editor of guardians baseball insider and you haven't heard. Yeah. RIP. And uh, now I'm the founder slash writer creator, whatever of the uh, next year in Cleveland, newsletter you can find that on twitter at next year in cle and uh i'll write out prospects there this coming year on my own yep make sure to check that out and uh you know if you like the content you're getting here i don't know why you wouldn't subscribe to that now uh speaking of things you have to subscribe to awkward um connection there but the athletic you know listen i rip on jim Baden all the time uh it is a pet thing i do but i do have to give the man credit i he right now he's doing more writing um about the cleveland guardians and 90 percent of the beat writers for the cleveland yeah. guardians and he does that for a lot of teams you know he, he might have his issues but uh he he's a content machine he's someone who actually writes and he worked with the pirates guy to take fan related trades some of those in there are a little ridiculous um including cleveland's but we thought we'd comment on it. Uh, the Cleveland trade offer very clearly came from a Cleveland Guardians fan uh, saying there'd be a perfect fit and that Cleveland would trade uh, Will Brennan to kind of fill in right away. And say, I mean, I got to I, I got to read the exact wording from the fan, Cleveland fan. Uh, the Guardians are the best trade fit and are a center w- fielder away from getting over the hump, which, again, Reynolds isn't really a center fielder. Uh, Will Brennan and Cody Morris are immediate plug-and-play guys who can grow on a similar timeline. Brennan can go immediately into center. Will Morris has swing and miss stuff their bullpen needs. Bullpen's actually not halfway bad. Uh, Tanner Birds could start the year at AA, and Jonathan Rodriguez, not on Pipeline's top 30 list, is an intriguing switch-hitting prospect. He put up impressive numbers at high A. He appears to be a good athlete with a large frame. That's already wrong because Rodriguez hasn't been a switch-hitter in uh, three years, four years now. He is right-handed only. Uh, look, Bur- Burns and and Rodriguez, nothing. That's that's filler. That's nothing for this yeah, trade. They're, I don't know if either of them will make my top thirty. If I'm being honest, no. I I'm no. I'm still going through my personal 
top whatever. I'm just ranking the prospects I think deserve like full yeah. scouting reports. And I'm down to like in the 50 range, and I have not gotten to Rodriguez at all, despite the fact that he had home runs last year. And yeah, Tanner Burns hasn't been healthy. He wasn't healthy in college. No. Uh, he, he can't maintain velocity. He's a reliever. Like mm-hmm. I, there's no pathway to starting. There's just those two in this trade make nothing. So basically, it's the Pirates getting Will Brennan and Cody Morris. And as much as I I like Will Brennan almost as much as anybody that doesn't have the last name Brennan, uh, this trade is not enough. And I don't even want to trade him. Truthfully, I don't want to trade Will Brennan. But um, yeah, this trade is very, very uh, fan oriented, and and I can't imagine the Pirates would do it. But if I'm, I'm Cleveland, I'm also looking to trade a different package of players here too, because Brennan and Morris are guys that can help you at the big league level this year. They need to clear out guys that cannot help them at the big league level this year. Quite frankly, I mean, you could conceivably say trading Brennan or Gonzalez this year makes sense if you're upgrading the outfield, but they need more to do with clearing guys out from the minors that aren't going to help them. And that doesn't include filler like Burns and, and Rodriguez who don't have and any value. The pirates have like zero needed shortstop either. So that's one of those things. When that's another at, problem. Yeah. It's, it's not an ideal, but yeah, it was just kind of funny. And then I thought the response from both the Pittsburgh person and Jim Bowden were funny. Cause everyone, listen, I've said Morris is more than likely a reliever due to health concerns. Um, he just hasn't shown he can stay healthy, but like everyone treated him like he's just always been a reliever. I'm like, it's not really the, all it takes is one healthy here. year. We'll have to see what goes. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, it was kind of funny. I think my big takeaway going through it is that the Mariners really maybe could have the most interesting trade offer. Uh, the article in itself is extremely inconsistent. Uh, Kyle Harrison is a really interesting left-handed pitcher from the Giants, but for Bowden to make a deal, say that he wouldn't trade Harrison for Arnold straight up, but to be okay with trading Kalenic and Matt Brash and George Kirby after the year George Kirby had, uh, saying, you know, I, I get the idea of like, well, they might try to convince you on a lesser pitcher, but I would do it. It's like George Kirby should be the untouchable guy after the year he had uh, this past year proven in the big leagues. Um, you know, it's a typical Bowden inconsistencies uh, kind of pop in there. But uh, again, credit to him for, putting out work and uh, doing his thing. I, did you see oh, real quick, did you see the Marlins offer, by the way? It is, whoo, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Was that the, the one that's fr- from a Pirates it's fan? It's bad. It is the, it is by far the worst trade in this grouping. I would not, I would not touch that trade at all. I, and I, I don't think Brian Reynolds is like, he might be like a, a borderline all-star some years, but not every year. And he's, I don't know. I think he's already peaked, but man, that yeah. uh, the, the Marlins trade is the worst by far. Like it's not even close. Wow, Max Meyer before his health issue, like would have made that at least interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's health issues. I don't know. What was the was one Watson, that was such... Dax Fulton and Victor Mesa jr. And Victor Mesa jr. Isn't in anybody anymore. I know he was once no. big, but that's, I mean, it's the same thing. We're seeing the Jason Dominguez over hype right now. They kind of, if you listen to this show for any length, you know, like, I got to see a guy prove it. Um, we've seen two men. I mean, Victor Mesa was Jason Dominguez to a degree before mm-hmm. Jason Dominguez. So let's, let's stop acting like a guy who's excelled in a ball is going to uh, not even excel. It was solid in a ball is, is going to be um, Mickey Mantle. Uh, let's, let's quickly TJ McFarland signed a minor league deal, deal today um, with the Mets who collect guardians. You're like, why are you talking about TJ McFarland, a 33 year old lefty? He is kind of a fascinating link in Cleveland Guardians history. Fourth round pick from the 2007 draft, which if you didn't know, the 2007 draft is an all-timer for awfulness. 
that is Bo Mills in the first round over Jason Hayward and several other players. TJ McFarlane um, is the only player, I believe. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Josh Judy, who, who got 12 games in the big leagues, is the only players they drafted and signed to make the big leagues from that class. It's a net negative war draft where they had a top 13 pick. Like this is maybe this is easily a, a bottom 20 draft ever. And I believe this is also the first draft ever televised. Uh, so it was, it was a hilarious draft. If you're like me and watching live, because I, I got to talk with John the Mayo a few years ago. And uh, he, he talks about this because he was there for that, that they had him interview Philip Almont Almonte uh, and didn't realize that he didn't speak any English. He was a, a, a Quebecois and it was, it was pretty good. Uh, but McFarland has pitched in 472 innings has a zero war uh, has never been particularly great. And it's, it's just kind of fascinating to look at. He is fourth all time amongst Cleveland guardians, fourth rounders in games played behind. Uh, oh, did I click on the wrong one here uh, behind Danny Graves, uh, first Vietnamese player ever in the big leagues. Uh, Rudy uh, Sanez, another reliever, and uh, Jesse Levis. Uh, Paul Bird is fifth. If you're curious, Bird and Bieber and then Graves are the top three fourth rounders in terms of value. So a little bit of draft history. We can uh, click on that one when we uh, put this into YouTube. But not the fourth round's not been great for Cleveland. I, I see some like famous busts like Jake Lowry, Donovan McClure, um, oh. Chuck Luck Lofgren. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the highest bonus in the round is K Christian Cairo and that hasn't gone great. Milan Tolentilo is two, three is McClure. Then Henkes is four. There's a chance for that. Chuck Lofgren, Kyle Blair, and then Ryan Morris, who I barely remember. Like that was really, I, I just got quite a bit. Yeah. It's like, he was kind of, he wasn't, he wasn't good. And I got into writing in 2007. So like, that's what I kind of remember about Ryan Morris. Like he had more name value than production value, but I don't know. That's definitely a so Sam Hedges is going to be the best in that round. Uh, well, Bieber. Oh yeah. Okay. Bieber. Yeah. So you got Sam Bieber, uh, Bieber, Danny, like I said, the war, uh, Doug Drabeck, who they didn't sign by the way, in 1980 as the highest war. He has almost as much war as bird and Bieber combined to this point. Uh, Bird Bieber, Danny Graves, Rudy Sanez, who was a solid reliever, Jeff Baker, who bounced around, who I believed in sign as a utility guy, then Jesse Levis, and then it's been reliever city, Kyle Crockett, TJ McFarland, uh, Ernie Clement, Travis Driscoll. I know, uh, Clement isn't a reliever, but I had to talk about him. He did pitch uh, this year. What do you think? Or yeah. last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I was a Jordan Brown believer, so it kind of pains me to see him in there. That was one of those guys He's still around. Yeah. No, no, not that Jordan Brown. This is oh, um, first oh. baseman, light hitting first baseman, Jordan Brown. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No, not the very different, uh, very different types. No, he like, I don't know. He hit like 333 that year in double and triple A. And I was like, sign me up. Why is this guy not in the big leagues? Uh, I mean, that go look at his 2009 season uh, when he was 25, you know, but I mean, he hit in 2007. Like he, he had some good production. I wasn't that insane i mean especially if you're if you're a longtime fan like us and uh you covered that team you know how bad the miners were um but things that are not bad uh let's hop to uh ad break as we we had some fun here we're going to come back and discuss uh first base third base we're going to do the corners of the infield going deep on prospects uh i'm going to let justin pick which one we start off with if we're going to kind of look at those positions uh when we come back, so think about that. But first, a quick break to talk about one of our fantastic sponsors of Lockdown Guardians. 
and that is the good friends over at Bet Online. Listen, I read I read the ad yesterday, so let's not just do an ad read today. Let's not give you the good old boring ad read. Let's head over to Bet Online. Let's go look at sports. Let's see how it is shaping up right now for baseball over with our good friends over at BetOnline.net. All right, that is where we we send you to BetOnline.net. Uh, that will get you, and it's on this mobile, whatever you want or need, however you access. You can find access on betonline.net. Click over here on baseball. Uh, Houston Astros, 275 to win the American League. Yankees, 325. Toronto, plus 750. Uh, The other side of the National League, plus 350 for the Dodgers, plus 350 for the Mets, plus 500 for the Braves. Do you think the Mets are variant based on Correa? Like that whole situation? If he officially signs, do they go up? I would think so. I don't know. You get in now before he does, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm ready to put some money in the Blue Jays, to be honest. Well, here's why I'm tempted to ba- put some money. I got a, the World Baseball Classic. They make the Ooh. U.S. the favorites at plus 250. I don't think U.S. should be the favorites. No. Dominican Republic, plus 275, uh, plus 450 to Japan, plus 800 to uh, Puerto Rico, Cuba at 1,400. Venezuela, plus 1,600. That's an interesting one. Uh, I mean... Israel is higher than Colombia. Uh, your 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 long shots, Czech Republic and Nicaragua. Now, in fairness, I don't know one player on either of those teams, nor can I pull one um, right now off the top of my head. Is but Dennis can... Martinez still pitching for Nicaragua? <laughs> Good pull. I I, no, I don't. I don't. I don't got anything there. But I think that's fun that they've added the World Baseball Classic odds uh, to I'm win. Ready. I, I mean, I feel like this, if you're going to go do something, that's where to go. So go check out our good friends over at Bet Online today. Okay. Uh, and then, so now that we've had some fun talking about the odds of the World Baseball Classic, where do you want to lead us off? Uh, more Venezuelan catchers? Yes, more Venezuelan catchers. You are back for part 67 of that series. No, uh, Boy, these are both short and sad, truthfully, once again. Let's start at first base. First base is a little more interesting. Let's not make people wait to to hear the the better grouping of those two. Um, it's a little bit easier, though, right? Like, first base is pretty cut and dry as far as who the, the top pro- – it's a top two, and then after that, it's kind of like, oh, this guy could play first base. Like, that's really what it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're not going to get into Maya Colado, who's uh, Rule 5 eligible next year, but has never left the uh, the CPX. The, uh... Yep, who's uh, five foot eleven, barely even, yeah, not even big. Yeah, I mean, I, the top two are interesting, for sure. You could throw David Fry in the mix. Um, you could throw, trying to think who else played first base last year. It's, it's, it's a really, really light list. Marcos Gonzalez has been around for ever. And he, he was like Marcos a Con- big shortstop guy when they signed him. right? Yeah. And, and truthfully he's had his moments. He just has never been able to stay healthy. You've got junior San Quentin who, who another big signing name. Yeah. And also was a shortstop and he mm-hmm. is gigantic. Look, he is still junior San Quentin is listed on fan graphs or I believe wherever else at six, one, two Oh five. Let me assure you, that is three years old, and it's got to be at least 30 or 40 pounds ago. The man is, is much bigger now. Um, if you got a chance to see him play in the for a little bit this year in, in, uh, 
in Lynchburg. He was there for a little bit, hit some big home runs. So a lot of places list John Kenzie Noel as an outfielder or a third base. He's a first baseman. That's yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's no doubts there. Cleveland, Cleveland won't come out and say they, you know, they continue to tell you or continue to tell anybody who will talk to them about it. Um, you know, we, we leave our options open. We don't want to, you know, we, we want to down the road. We want to still have the option to do that. And, and Noel continues to take reps at third base. He is not a third baseman. Um, Carl Santana was a better third baseman than, than John Kenzie Noel. Uh, it, it's yeah, it wasn't a good experiment. Moving to the outfield has gone much better. I will say he, he can pass, I guess, as, as, as an outfielder, he has the arm. Um, he can track down balls enough. He's not, you know, he's not going to want a gold glove out there. I don't know. I don't even know if Lenter Oscar Gonzalez territory defensively, but he's not like, I don't know. They've put worse outfielders out there. Let's be honest. I mean, Domingo Santana. Yeah. That's essentially your comp too, for, for Jenkins yeah. and Noel, which is funny enough. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a first baseman. If the, yeah, that's where, if he's going to make it to the majors, that's the position he's got to play. Um, I know everybody got on the hype train last, last coming into last season because of what he did in Lynchburg and Lake County. And People love the long a, ball. Yeah, they love the long ball, and I think they love it more because this system has not produced a power hitter like Noel since what? Uh, Richie Sexton, uh, Jim Tomey. Who was the last power hitter that hit hit the way Noel does? Albert Bell. No, I mean Tomey came up after Bell, so it'd be Tomey or Ramirez. Uh, but I mean, like the last guy they had, they uh, the last player who kind of came from at least double A and up who hit 30 home runs, I believe, was um, Santana. Was Santana. And then if you say, well, someone who was in the lower minors, then it's probably Grady Sizemore. Uh, yeah. And this I is think not people that. forget <laughs> how much power Sizemore had. Um, but not in the minors. Nobody, nobody, no. they have not had a power I mean, prospect in the minors like it's this. It's Russell Brannion and Scott Morgan and Danny Peoples. And if you're like who, who, and who, it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's what exactly. like I've talked about my love of those old like scouting manuals and I should, I probably still have it somewhere unless like we did go through. Okay. So I cleaned out my, my old bedroom at one point in time, it became my kid's room uh, when we visit and I had stacks and stacks of Nintendo powers. You want to go back? And I also had like all of, like I kept everything because I would go back and look at them, but I wish I could find that like Athlon list that had like the top 50 power hitting prospects in the game. Derek Lee, I remember was number one. Um, when you still at the Marlins and Scott Morgan, Danny Peoples, and Russell Brannion were the Guardians three guys. And I would love to look at that list and see how much uh, how much bust rate that was because we sometimes get a little too obsessed with power. Yeah, Scott Morgan is totally doesn't doesn't uh, resonate with me, but Danny Peoples, uh, I definitely do remember that from that time a little bit. But yeah, I mean Noel's still young; he's twenty one. He'll play most of next season at the age of twenty one. He'll turn twenty two. I'm sorry, twenty two in July in July next year. Um, I just don't, I don't feel like the swing and miss is, is, is at a point where he can control it in the majors. I have a lot of doubts about, um, his pitch recognition and hitting breaking stuff, be able to hit breaking stuff. Um, yeah, I, and the patience goes back and forth. I think a lot of it for me is just, he. I think he can hit mistake breaking or mistake off speed stuff in the zone. I don't think he can control himself from swinging a good, good breaking stuff out of the zone at the major league level. So I know people, like I said, people fell in love with him last year because he was hitting 
450 foot, 500 foot home runs in Lynchburg. And he went to Lake County and he um, hit really well there. But he didn't have a good on base percentage in Lake County this past season. And that's where I saw him struggle at breaking stuff the most. And then he got better, I suppose, in double A. People said, oh, well, the pitching's better. So, you know, guys are in the zone more. He'll be a little more disciplined. But I, I just don't see him hitting good breaking stuff at the major league level. So I've kind of really fallen back down with him. I mean, the power's there. There's no doubt the power's there. It would be great to have somebody of his ilk, and he's only 21. So he could be – a power hitters always take the longest to develop, right? That's that's mm-hmm. the last – those are the guys that – Catchers and then power hitters. Right. So, you know, those, those guys tend to blossom if they're going to at later ages sometimes. But – uh I don't know. At the moment, I am sitting on kind of a right-handed Bobby Bradley with with John Kenzie Noel. That was the last one, the most recent example that you could point to that didn't pan out at the major league level. Yeah, no. I mean, as much as I hate that, it's like you're right. The one thing I think you know is that saving grace. And the one problem this year, it's really hard to evaluate him because it was such a stratified year, like 67 games in Double A. I, people are always quick to point out, hey, the walk rate is up and the K rate is down, but it's really too small of a sample size to really say is the problem. Right. And it's also the weird time of year where the best guys have been promoted. So he is coming up in the wave with the guys he's dominated against. So I would argue this is the year for him. Like as a guy who was entering his second year on the 40 man, it's weird to say this is the year, but I, I could see he's got to build on what he's done. And if he does more of what he typically shown i'm with you i think he is more bobby bradley and we can kind of move off that train if he can cut down on the k rate increase the walk rate but i have a sinking feeling that like yeah he went up leagues there's basically by the time he gets double to double a the elite guys have moved up to triple a what's left is the so-so guys and then the players that move up like he's not facing right. people sometimes make too big of a deal about that performance double a when you have to remember the elite of the elite has already moved on like the guys, the, you know, if Spino was healthy, he's not there at that point in time. Like that's, right. that's how this goes. So I think sometimes you also have to look at the backstories. Um, and, and also uh, against right-handed pitching, not quite as good either. Statistically, that's an issue. Uh, I will say he only faced four pitchers. I'm sorry, nine pitchers younger than him all year. So a lot of older competition. That is a good thing for sure. It's one thing to be at least look on the optimistic side about, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, guys have already moved up by then. And I don't know. I just, I, like I said, guy, guys like this tend to bloom a lot later. And yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't see, yeah. I don't see like, more than, than a platoon. First he's probably going to be in the teens for me because the power is interesting. He's done enough but he's probably closer to like 18, 19 when I sit down and do a list um, than, than top 10 where I know a lot of other people will put him. Cause it is yeah, I, Bobby Bradley is a really good comp. He is, it's all power and nothing else. And that was always my concern with Bradley. It's better power than Bradley had. I mean, he's a great hire, but um, what, there's a good chance. It's Chris Carter or John Singleton. Those Singleton's a great defender. So maybe just Chris Carter. Yeah, Chris Carter, Carter is a good, a good comp there. Um, I don't even know if I have him in my top 20 right now. I think the system is so good that you're banking on a lot of potential. And maybe I shouldn't be so low on him already because 
I don't know. Do you start him in AAA next year? That's another question. Like, you know, no, I'd had... probably start in AA. Yeah, he he's, he only played sixty seven games in AA. He got to AAA for a little cup of coffee at the end of the year. I guess you probably put him back in AA. But the fact that the other thing too that, that drives the value down. I mean, really, look, you're looking at power for Noel. It's it's power and never nothing else. There is nothing else out there that he is going to add to your value to your team. Pony. It's not, yeah, he's not adding base running. He's not adding fielding. Um, it's pretty much he has to hit 30 home runs or the, or the value just isn't there. That makes him a high probability of being a very below average regular with a lot of strikeouts. And um, that could that could always come down with age and maybe it's enough home runs to combat it. But uh, and the other thing you bring up, too, I think is interesting is that this is going to be a second year on the 40 man roster. So this will be the second option year for him. So essentially by next season, he has to be ready, right? By 2024, he either has to be ready to play in the majors or that's it. And I understand why they protected him because of the power and what he had done to that point. But uh, yeah, I I, I mean, I'll never understand that protection just because literally no one who played on the corner of the infield had been taken in the last 15 years in the rule five draft. Yeah, it's a it's a profile you don't see go too often in the in the Rule Five draft, and especially when you're not a good defender either. Like it's one thing to be a third baseman who can who plays a first baseman who can play third and add some defensive value. That's not where Noel is, and he's not a good runner. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a big surprise um, or a big surprise they did that to me. I mean, I, I do get it in terms of the fact they don't have a lot of prospects like him in the system. But that shouldn't – that doesn't mean that, you know, other teams are going to be going after him. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, he's essentially got to be ready by next year. So what happens if Josh Bell, you know, has a mediocre year and he's like, you know what, I I, I did well, but not enough to want to jump back into the free agent market and um, my contract's good for next year and we have a chance to win here. You know, what happens if he comes back? Then what? You got Noel without odd options. You've uh, you've got Naylor. You've still got you've still got Bell. You trade him for Juan Brito because I mean that's the other guy. He's Nolan Jones. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Jones, I think, had more defensive value as an yes. outfielder though because he had a good arm. I think yeah, he was starting to learn more. the outfield. Yes, there was the walking. Um, yeah, Noel is the first baseman only. It's a hard profile to make work. That's why. Yeah it was it would be such a surprise so that's the, that's he's still the best first base prospect in, in the system so we can uh grab a quick break and come back and talk about the rest because there there are there's one other guy in the system i still like no i was gonna say the exact same thing so let's take that quick break here and then come back and talk about more things uh first base prospect wise on today's lockdown guardians and we are here uh, why don't you lead off? I, I know who you want to talk about, so I'll let you take point on one of your favorites in the system. Yeah, I, I think Mike Caprice is is an interesting sleeper. I mean, he could wind up just being a bench guy down the road for somebody. I, I do think there's a good chance he makes it to the majors. I don't know what role he's going to play. It's probably as a bench guy, but um, I like the backstory. You know, his he's got a famous family in scouting. His dad, his grandfather was one of the creators of the Major League Baseball Scouting Bureau. Uh, his dad was drafted by the Yankees. His brother was drafted by the Yankees. He just retired. Um, 
So he's he's very well known in baseball circles, and he was very very lowly recruited out of high school. He was like a skinny little tall center fielder. He went to a D two school, I think. And then then what? He had Tommy John surgery. Is that right? Yeah, it was Tom, he's the weird hitter with Tommy John. Not yeah. not what you say that often. Yeah, he had Tommy John coming out of or in college out of college. So Cleveland drafted him. What was that? Twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen? Uh, I can, I have it in front of me. It was, uh, 2019. 2019. Yeah. He's one of the ones who had an issue right out of the. Yeah. So he, he didn't play in 2019 because of the Tommy John issue. He didn't play in 2020, obviously. So the guy didn't make his major league debut until 2021, two years after he was drafted. And then last year he was in, in Akron. He was playing very well in Akron. Um, he came up, became as an outfielder, but switched to first base. I think there's a chance that he has some, He's already 24 and he'll be 25 next. Uh, he'll be 25, I think, um, next month. But yeah, he's, he's a little bit older, but you know, he could be a guy who's a late bloomer just because of the, the going to a small school and then he missed the first two years of his development. So I think there's some chances. The fact that he was as good as he was last year to me, I think, is as impressive as it is. And I don't know a guy who's left-handed who has some power like he does. Who run? He he was just a home run shy, I think, or two home runs shy of a a twenty twenty season, which you don't see that often from first baseman. So, um, yeah, he and, and I think the other thing to point out, it's like he played first base because he had to play there. It's like when you talk about, I agree with you, his best chance is kind of that backup role. But the nice thing with him is like he can play first, he can play left, he can play right. Uh, he can play center. Now I'm not saying he's an everyday right fielder. I'm not like if he hit enough to be an everyday player, he's probably first base left field. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't want him every day in center or every day in right. But as a backup, fine. Like he can play four positions for you pretty easily. Um, and then hit from against the, the fat side of the platoon, as we call it. Cause you know, 80% of the innings you face are against uh right-handed pitching and he's a lefty. Right. And there's some walks there. And then, I mean, really for him, it's about the power. Is he going to have mm-hmm. enough power to profile those spots? But like you said, a guy who I think can have enough pop to play a corner, even as a backup, as a lefty bat off the bench, I think that's a good role for him. And who knows? Maybe he could be a little bit more. I was impressed when he did last year. I think there's some interesting tools there. Um, I'm probably a lot higher on him than other people are, truthfully. But we'll see. I think he's a guy who starts in AAA this year. So we'll see what happens to him. Other, oof, I'm trying to think of the other first baseman really behind that. It's like what Will Bartlett and Joe Naranjo. Naranjo is more glove first. I mean, he was a high pick. They gave him a lot of money. Um, it's not a Ulysses Cantu situation, but him and Ulysses Cantu always come together in my mind because it's the last two like first base prospects they've drafted like relatively high. Um, Cantu was more DH and uh, that didn't work out. Um, and Naranjo, no, I mean, I, I didn't hate the draft pick at the time, but it just, it was not, he, you know, couldn't stand up to the performance competition level. Uh, Naranjo had a decent year. He started out in, on Fuego, in Fuego, I should say, not on Fuego. He wasn't, (laughs) uh, it's not in Fuego. I mean, he was on fire. He cooled, but I mean, we talked about earlier this year, he won the equivalent of the minor league first base gold glove. He's an excellent defender. I would kind of like to see him you know if he's that good of a defender it's like remember evan white uh who's got maybe one of the worst contracts in baseball who was like the excellent defender where there was always the debate could he play the outfield i, I would like to see you know for a guy like Naranjo to have a better future 
Like, could he try a little bit of outfield more just to so you know if he can handle it? Like he's a backup, mm-hmm. not a starter. So a first base only defensive backup, he's he's hosed. But if he can maybe play some outfield, maybe play some third, like I'd love to see a guy like him get some opportunities because otherwise I just don't see any pathway forward. Well, he can't play third because he's a left-handed thrower. So yeah, good good call. He, he's he's stuck there. I honestly, if, if Naranjo was not left hand left-handed thrower, I don't think he'd be a first baseman. I think he'd be a second baseman or a third baseman. I think yeah. he would move over because that that's more of his skill set and his more profile. But he because he's I mean he's maybe maybe five ten now. He's grown a little bit since he's been drafted. It he's says listed he's five, as eight. five eight. Yeah, he's he's a little bit taller than that now. He has grown a little, but. Yeah, he's 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 only for only a first baseman because he throws left-handed. So I agree with you. I think he's trying the outfield probably would help a little for his profile in the future. But um, I don't. I mean, I know him and Mike Capriz hit the same amount of home runs last year, but I don't think Naranjo has the kind of uh, power that Capriz will or or can. I don't know. I will say Naranjo surprised me with his power. He did get stronger. I did. You know, when I saw him. I saw him a ton in 2021. Obviously, he was back in high A last year. I saw him a ton last year. And physically, he was much bigger. So maybe he has added some power. He kind of became a three-true outcomes guy. Like he remember, remember the profile on him when he was drafted was the Jake Bowers comp. Like he was essentially yeah. a he was a uh, hit hit tool, hit tool right. first. You know, you're hoping for like a 60 hit tool and then 50s across the board if you're lucky, which is very right. Jake Bowers. Yeah. It was a good version, then, not like what people are used to. Like when he was a top 100 a prospect. prospect, Jake ba- ba- Bowers. Yeah. And then, and then Naranjo went three true outcomes last year. He essentially hit the same exact batting average two years in a row, but then he, which was poor, but he walked a ton more and he hit for a little bit more power. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I ranked him early in years in, in, the, in Cleveland's top 50, but I have since dropped him from that just because I, the upside there is so limited with that profile. Unfortunately, like I said, if he was not left-handed, uh, as a thrower, he would have a little more infield utility, but he does not. Um, <clears throat> do you have Will Bartlett just behind him then? Or do you have anybody else? I know I mean, we're, I, we're, I, we're grasping at straws here. Why don't we, we're at about 35 minute marks. So why don't we call this one a show? We can kind of dive a little bit more into a few of these names, but yeah, I'm kind of, you know, we'll, we'll discuss a few more guys here, but we're going to call this, now that we've talked about kind of the central piece, we're going to call it a show. I want to thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. Downloading, it helps. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to 1.2K uh, on YouTube, which would be great. Uh, so keep doing that. Keep doing all of your parts. We love and appreciate the fan interaction uh, all the time. And just want to say, go, go, Guardians, go.